And now, the moment you've all been waiting for. You're tuned in to Tapped Out. Hosted by Brendan Tobin and Sean Levine. Only on the BetQL Network. And welcome into Tapped Out. However you're checking us out here on the BetQL Network on YouTube, the Odyssey app, along with Brendan Tobin on the sports machine, Sean Levine. And we've got fighting in the octagon, in the ring. Let's start there. Big boxing matchup. First time in a while, we're going to see Canelo Alvarez, BT, step back into the ring against one of the Charlo brothers, Jermel Charlo. It happens to be this Saturday night in Las Vegas. If you want to play the underdog, you can get good money right now at BetMGM, plus 300 on Charlo. Canelo, you got to pay for it, minus 430. Let's start there. Is he still that guy? Because in the back of my mind, I remember what Dimitri Bivol did against him, and you can't say Styles make fights or whatever, but frankly, Bevel beat him up on that night. Are you still willing to pay minus 430 for Canelo Alvarez? Yeah, it's a heavy number uh, for sure. I think this is one of those interesting ones because, you know, Jermel Charlo is, I, I think, you know, he's probably surpassed his brother as the the more decorated Charlo. He's the undisputed champion at 154, so he is moving up a couple of weight classes. Um and it's tough for him because I kind of feel like in a fight like this, he's got like the perennial puncher's chance, but it's tough to talk about a puncher's chance when a guy is going up to weight classes because you don't know how that's going to carry. Uh, Canelo's also never been stopped in his career. Um, and so even though you look at a number like that where he's like plus 900 to win by KO, it, it's it, it's a, probably a tall task to ask him to go out and finish Canelo. Could he win a decision against him? You know, he's not as polished a boxer as Bevel, like he's not going to live behind his jab. He likes to mix it up. He's had a lot of closely contested fights, a lot of fights that have gone to close decisions. He's lost, but then as avenged losses, he's had draws and then as avenged those. So I, I do think that Jermel can show some good adjustments in his career, but he's going to probably have to do some adjusting in this fight. And I just think that's a big ask for him, even though he's, he's been in there probably with more quality guys than a lot of guys when they first step in with Canelo. Um, there are a lot of things going against him going into this because of the side, the, the, the moving up in weight and probably needing to at least get Canelo to the canvas to win a decision. What about the age factor? 33 years old now for Canelo Alvarez. Is he still in his prime or do you think we've seen the best of him? That's a great question. Um, I think there's definitely valid questions about if he's still in his prime because 35, 33 is not old for most fighters i mean hell it's old it's younger than bud crawford is and everybody's talking about him like he's just walked onto the scene um but you got to realize how many fights canelo's had in his career you're talking like 70 pro fights he's been fighting since he was a child and you have to wonder with a guy like canelo he uh, he has gone up in weight to 175 and has tried to take on the likes of bevel sergey kovalev you know how there is in delusions of Canelo going up to heavyweight to try and do that, even though he's five, eight. <laughs> so I do think that the mystique of Canelo has definitely worn off, but I still think he's very quality. And I do think that he could beat a lot of quality guys. And I think that Charlo strikes me as kind of the level. It's a good measuring stick to see like, is Canelo way better than him? Is Canelo a little better than him? this is going to be a good fight to kind of answer those questions. I think my answer to that was, I think he's still a step above Jermel Charlo. Cause I think Jermel Charles is probably a step below maybe the elite guys who could get him, like a Terrence Crawford in boxing skill. I don't think he's quite that good, but um, we'll see. I mean, if, if he does look rough in this one, then yeah, you're going to have some real questions about if the run is over for Canelo. 
I had to Google check you on that Terrence Crawford thing. Dude, he's 35 years old. Goodness gracious. I would have said, I would have said he's 30 or 31. He's 35 years old. How about that? Don't um, be doubting me, dude. I don't know why I did that. I know I won't ever do that again. I'm gonna try to pin the tail on the donkey on this fight, and I'm gonna follow your lead here. What are you betting? Do we think that Canelo because it sounds like you think Canelo is definitely gonna win the fight? Does he finish him? If so, can I get around? Let's make some money on this thing. Um, I don't think he's going to finish him, man. I think this fight's probably going to go the distance. I don't think that, uh, I don't think this is one of those where he, uh, I, I don't know where he could get the finish on Jamel. Jamel's very tough. He's been in there with some, in, in some tough fights. If he did, it would be late. So if you did like the knockout, I would say go for like maybe a nine through 12 prop, something like that. Uh, Cause I don't see him like coming out there and hitting with a one hitter quitter to end it. Um, so I would say I, I'm going to lean Canelo by decision, which is about like minus 120 right now. It's not great, but that's uh, it's better than taking him at minus 430. But if you do like him, I got if you have a little bit more faith or uh, in Canelo or you have a little less faith in Charlo, I think that's probably where I would go for him. A fight that did finish last Saturday night, unfortunately, due to injury inside the octagon. It was a great matchup on paper. Matisse Gamrod versus Rafael Fazeev. Unfortunately, Fazeev tore his ACL. So technically, if you were holding on to a Matisse Gamrod by knockout TKO ticket, you hit it. Let's talk the Gamrod side of things first. What does it mean for him? It feels like if you beat Fazeev, then you're pretty damn close to a title. It's a good one. I, I don't know. It's it's tough to know where you have Fazeev as far as like the makings of the division because I feel like he probably took a little bit of a step back in people's eyes not being able to beat Justin Gaethje, even though Gaethje is definitely the perennial number one contender right now. Um, Fazeev was, I think, on that ascent. You know, we look at guys maybe like, you know, who we think that, you know, um, Arnold Allen, I think, is a good example. Like, oh, maybe he was going to be that guy. And that we saw when he took out Max Holloway, hey, you're not quite ready for that yet. So this is an interesting point for Fazeev because now he's got the injury to recover from. And also you technically take a loss. Whereas for Gamrot, yeah, he gets to move on. But I do think that there's still some questions because of how it ended. Like there's there's a little bit of unfulfillment there. So he probably needs, a, a you know, one more signature victory to really get in there. You know where that uh, Arnold Allen, Max Holloway fight happened, right? Right there in Kansas City, man. You're damn right it happened in the barbecue capital of the world, home of the Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs, right here in KC Mo. How about the main event, or I should say the co-main last Saturday night, dude? Our guy Bryce Mitchell, unanimous decision over Dan Ige. And then I was telling you about what he said going into the fight during our last show, that they were going to do something together that we had never seen in the octagon. I guess that was the holding up of the Bible together at the end of the whole thing. It got a little bit religious-y. You could tell that uh, Bisbing, he pulled that microphone away pretty quick there. Because Bryce Mitchell, I mean, we love Bryce Mitchell. We've had him on the show. He He's out there. I'm not talking about his religious views. I'm talking about just as a human being, and aren't we all? But Bryce is kind of out there. As far as the fight goes, he got beat up a little bit. Like, he didn't look great afterwards. His eye was completely shut, but I thought he looked pretty good. I thought it was an important win for him. I, I think that Bryce Mitchell, you know, a lot of people saw the way that he lost to Pori the last time around. You're wondering, like, man, is he? Like, ass how, yeah, how do you how do you bounce back like that? So to have a tough scrap fight like that, um, take the damage that he did, but still come out victorious. I thought it was impressive for him. I thought it was important for him. Um, you know, as far as the the post, I, you know, 
I'm not surprised by it. Like Bryce Mitchell, if you follow him on Instagram, you're like every day he's got something that is uh, unconventional that he's got going on, whether it's conspiracy theories, his girlfriend stealing his dog or whatever, his favorite Bible verse. So he is definitely uh, he's definitely uh, unique. And so when he was uh, throwing the Bible around, like, yeah, good for him. And I you know nothing wrong with that to me. And correct me if I'm wrong, but as a guy that's watched this sport now for quite a while, did I not want to see D'Angelo Diego Sanchez walk in there with like a ten foot cross? Didn't that happen one time? Or it did. It's not a Bible okay. though, you know. First of okay. first to do it's first uh, to do it. This guy, this guy. First to do All it's right. first to do it, dude. And here's where he's going to remind me that Charles Oliveira missed weight by point zero 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 one of a pound. Yeah, you'd be fun to hang out with a party. Um, we're off fights this Saturday night, October seventh. So we're talking about. Fight night, uh, about two weeks away. Grant Dawson versus Bobby Green. Love both these guys. Grant Dawson trained in Kansas City for a long time. Dude, he's not a minus 350 good against Bobby Green. You're going to give me Bobby Green at plus 275? Might be 3-1 to one underdog by fight night? How are we not going to play that one? Yeah, I mean, Bobby Green is always, uh, it doesn't ever feel like he gets the respect of uh, of the books. You know, his last fight around, even that people were like, hey, you know, will he be Tony Ferguson? It's like, yes, he's going to be Tony Ferguson. Come on. Like, and, uh, and he was able to do it, you know? So I think that this should be no different. I think there's definitely value in Bobby green. It's always usually when you get to like those next guys, um, where you're like, all right, is this the one that's going to prove that Bobby green's a contender? And that's kind of usually where he slips up. So this is going to be an interesting challenge for grant. Cause you're, you know, I think Bobby Green's better than a, a quote unquote gatekeeper, but it's it's a good measuring stick for him. And it's good to see uh, it'll be good for Bobby to see like, all right, you're trying to feed me to this guy and this is what I can go and provide. But I think he's a solid dog there. And if Grant looks like a minus 350 that night and beats up Bobby Green again, he's probably just a couple of fights away, at least for calling for a title shot. All right. The best jaw, at least jaw line in the UFC Drew Dober, goodness gracious, that's a good-looking guy. Minus 450, taking on Ricky Glenn at plus 325. I usually don't pay that type of money, but for Drew Dober on Saturday night, I might just have to. Yeah, you can't blame him, man. I mean, like, he is, he's he's always got that, you know, knockout power that's impressive for him when he goes out there. Fantastic hair, too. I mean, like, you right. know, like if we're going to be honest about it, you know, like, he goes out there, um, you know, but needs to bounce back, too, because, you know, his last fight out there, he lost to Matt Travola. Um, so this is an opportunity for him, but before that was, was absolutely steamrolling. So it's a good chance for him to get back in the win column. I see what you did there. Steamrolling for Vola. Good. Uh, he, he should have played Ken in the Barbie movie. Drew Dober. Wouldn't he have been better than Ryan Gosling? I, I mean, didn't see the movie. I did see the movie. I think Ryan Gosling did a fantastic job. Okay. Well, I'm just saying Drew Dober would have done a better job. That's BT on the sports machine. Talking a little fighting here on tapped out speaking of fights ufc 294 not too far away the next pay-per-view i feel like you and i are on different sides of the octagon on this one islam makachev versus charles Oliveira, part two no surprise bet mgm has islam as a big favorite minus 350 charles Oliveira 260 i've told you this at least 50 times and i hope i beat it in your head by fight night you must play charles Oliveira at plus 260 i don't care who he's fighting and you know what the fact that it's a rematch makes me feel even better. And I know what you're going to say before you say it, so I'll take you out Slim Shady style. You're going to say, yeah, but I already saw the fight. It wasn't close, and he ragdolled him, and it was over and won. And sometimes guys have bad nights. Charles Oliveira is going to be able to adjust if anybody is going to be able to. And let me let me, let me me put some icing on the cake here. 
I think he finishes Islam. I know that sounds crazy. Oh, my gosh, nobody finishes Islam. Well, Charles Oliveira has finished more people than anybody in the history of the UFC. So, again, if you're going to give me plus 260 on him to win the fight, plus 400 at BetMGM on him to finish the fight, dude, I'm going to empty the bank account right now. All right, dude, but, like, he did lose to him in, like, very easy fashion. So, like, I don't understand why... Yes. Okay, cool. You have your gut. I have the history and what happened. And what happened was the last fight wasn't very close. And, you know, I don't think that Charles Oliveira is going to do much better against him this time around. You don't think Charles Oliveira is going to be able to make adjustments. And let me bring up why. The last time that we like, if we didn't see Islam fight Alexander Volkanovsky in between, and you and I both know damn well that Volkanovski won that fight and we had money on him, so maybe we're a little bit partial or whatever. But it was at least three rounds to two, one way or the other. My point is, before that fight happened, we thought, oh, nobody could beat Islam. And after that fight, we thought Islam just got beat. So if we're talking about a guy that we both really think in the back of our minds is coming in off of a loss, mm-hmm. what I'm telling you, dude, is Charles Oliveira is that guy, and maybe, just maybe, we overrated islam just a little bit with all the khabib comparisons and i'll shut up and i'll apologize and i'll back off if he does it again but he's not going to well i don't think that you are because it's probably like once if he beats charles Oliver again then he's just beating a guy that he's already beaten and second of all does I, I didn't realize are we watching wwe come the end of this month like is that does he get to tag in alexander volkanovsky at some point to help him beat islam makachev because they're not the same fighter no, but don't you think that he took some things away from what Alexander Volkanovsky did in that fight? And, and I know it's Volkanovsky, but don't you think that he watched the fight and said, maybe I could do some of those same things against this guy? Now, to do some of those things, he has to get out of the first round. Does he have like, does he have that, you know, giant dome of, of Alexander Volkanovsky? No, he looks like Skeletor in the ring. Like, no, of course he doesn't. So like, there, I mean, you couldn't have two fighters who look more opposite than Alexander Volkanovsky and Charles Oliveira. What is he going to take from him? What's your problem with Charles Oliveira? I don't have a problem, but like you, you love Charlie Olives. I like him too. But like you sit here and you're like, no, 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 no. What happened? Isn't going to happen again. And your reason is cuz and what Alexander Volkanovsky did to Islam. And it's like, he's not Alexander Volkanovsky. Okay. And it's also cuz it's Charles Oliveira. We're not talking about, Alexander Hernandez here that I'm making the argument for. I can't wait to hear what you have to say about the co-main event of this one. Hamzad Chimaev steps in against Paolo Costa. You can get Paolo at plus 260 underdog money. Hamzad minus 350. Honestly, that feels like about the right number. And for the odds makers, how do you even put a number on Hamzad? It's tough. I mean, you have actually two guys here. I think you, I think data, if you, if you got him in some truths, you're like, are you sure both these guys are going to make it to the main event? Like, are you confident? Like, you know, you, you have to worry about that. That being said, yeah, if they both make weight, if they both make it to the co-main event, man, I think we have the the makings of a really, really fun fight. I think Paulo Costa has shown you against uh, good grapplers before um, that, you know, he could, he could keep a fight standing from time to time. Depends on, on that, and it depends on how Hamzat wants to go about this. I think the thing that's going to be fascinating about it is, you know, now that Hamzat has picked a weight class that isn't welterweight, um, how does the power translate for him? How does his grappling ability translate not going against 170-pound fighters? So it's a good measuring stick for him. I think I favor Hamzat because I find him to be the more well-rounded fighter, but I wish I had a little bit more clarification on it because he hasn't been that active. You could talk me into that underdog money on Palo Costa, especially if that's like three to one by the time that fight goes off. All right, you've done gotten under my skin. 
on this first segment, which means coming up next, I'm going to have to fight you. My favorite segment. You're going to fight me right here on Tapped Out. into the cage with Brendan Tobin in Are You Gonna Fight Me? I'm gonna fight your ass! Here on Tapped Out. That's right, fight me like a man! Only on the BetQL Network. You know the rules. I want a good, clean fight. When I tell you to break, I want you to step back out my command and break. Now go back to the corner and come out fighting at the bell. Back into Tapped Out. We appreciate you checking us out. That's Brendan Tobin. I'm the sports machine, Sean Levine. However you got us on YouTube, on the Odyssey app, on BetQL, time to fight each other. Strap them up. Meet me in the middle of the octagon. Here we go. Dana White says he'll give Michael Chandler a fight before the Conor McGregor fight if he wants one. That would be insanity for Michael Chandler to take any fight before he gets in the octagon with Conor McGregor. You going to fight me? Uh, no, I, I don't think it's insane to take any fight. I think Michael Chandler is good at beating some guys. But if you told me, like, hey, would you go fight Dustin Poirier again. No, I would advise against that. But if he wanted, I think there's guys there that, you know, are, are he's above enough that he could get some work in if he wanted to, uh, which is going to be an interesting thing for him. You know, Dana did mention, you know, he's got enough money. Uh, so if he can sit this one out, but I do think for Michael Chandler, it's probably annoying. Like you got tied to, after you did the ultimate fighter, you were probably hoping by the end of the year, I was going to fight him. And instead, now I'm kind of waiting on the Connor timeline because there is going to come a time. There's no guarantees Connor is going to fight by July. Um, so there is going to come a time where like, okay, when do I go back to work? At that point, it'll be more than a calendar year since even the conversation came up between Michael Chandler fighting Connor McGregor. I think it'd be crazy because I understand what you're saying. Even if you said put him out there against a can, throw him out there against a cupcake, an unranked fighter, let Michael Chandler go out there and beat him up real quick and look good doing it. Problem is, you know the UFC, you know the sport. What if he loses? Then who wants to see that guy that just got beat up against a nobody fight, Conor McGregor? So to me, it's crazy, and I don't want. I'm just you got you got to play by Conor's rules if you get involved in that game. Uh, John Jones in his last fight versus Cyril Gon was real quick, and then everybody was throwing the roses to John Jones. He's back. He's still the greatest. And I was pushing back a little bit, saying I don't think we saw enough of him to say that just yet. You're gonna fight me if I say. 
I think the fight versus Stipe Miocic coming up in a couple of months gets into the championship rounds. I think it goes at least four. No, not going to fight you on that. I think that Stipe is, uh, first of all, I think, you know, Stipe is super durable. John's not a guy who has, you know, ferocious power. Um, and I just think that Stipe is a more well-rounded fighter than Surreal is. So, um, no, I'm not going to fight you on that. I, I honestly think the fight probably will go to decision. I'm curious to see. I do think Stipe needs to strike first. And what I mean by that is I think that he needs to get to John early. He needs to get some hands on him early just to know like, hey, I'm a different beast. I, I you know, can't have try and make him feel uncomfortable at this weight class because John Jones, we've been waiting for him to forever be at heavyweight, but he has yet to feel uncomfortable as a heavyweight and feel the wrath of a heavyweight's hands. And Stipe was talking this week about, you know, my power's underrated. I think that that's an important element. I think that he needs John to feel that a little bit to to unle unleash that boxing skill, get inside that range, and uh, and have John have something to worry about. If so this fight does go later. I'll fight back to what you said about the power of John Jones. Do we know? Maybe he does have that one hitter quitter power at heavyweight. Like, could he get in there and this could be a really quick fight because he catches Stipe on the chin? I wouldn't be that surprised. You think it goes the distance? I don't. I think it goes a while, but ultimately, I think somebody gets the finish. Um, I don't, I mean, like, look, I, maybe it, that happens in like, you know, there's some crazy head kick or something like that or John, but like, no, I think these guys are both pretty durable guys. I don't think that John has that, uh, he's never been a big puncher. Like he's never, he's never been a guy that usually knocks guys out when he does. It's usually, he gets them on the ground pretty and big elbows, the ground. Though. pretty heavy elbows, not for knockouts though. He doesn't have like, uh, he doesn't have like the, uh, the, the Yair Rodriguez on him. Like they're dangerous. Like he'll finish guys on the ground with ground and pound and things like that. And he could definitely do that to Cipe. Um, but will he just, you're telling me, will he just finish him with a with a big time one shot no it probably had to be like you did with dc with like a, a head kick to then lead to some finishing strikes yeah if you ask me what's the most likely outcome if this fight is to finish i do think i see stipe on his back and john throwing those elbows that you're talking about that's what makes it so ultimately interesting is there's a million different ways this whole thing could go and to bet on it because it feels like stipe is going to go off as a four to one underdog and you're going to empty your bank account against john jones that night and the universe has just completely gone on its side. Uh, speaking of Dana White, he shot down the rumors of Brock Lesnar fighting at UFC 300. You're going to fight me if I say, I hear Dana, but I don't believe him. Like, I think there is a shot that we do see Brock back because if you think about the heavyweights, and we're talking about right now John and Steve and both those guys are gone. I think they ultimately, when I say gone, I think that at least one of them, if not both of them, lay down the gloves and probably retire after this fight that we've been discussing. You need some big boys in there. You're going to fight me if I say, I think there's a chance we see Brock Lesnar back in the octagon. Nah, anytime there's Brock Lesnar news, it always feels like, what are his negotiations going on with the wrestling? Like, that's the I only time we ever hear him uh, in the UFC. I, I don't buy it. And, and you know what? I'm really like Brock Lesnar, Ronda Rousey, Conor McGregor. Like, you know, it's, it is this old timers day at UFC 300. Like, you know, give me some. Give me some Volkanovsky. Give me some some style better. Give me some of the give me Sean O'Malley. Give me some of the guys that are actually in their go. prime. You know, like John, even like, you know, okay, John says he's gonna retire. Throw him a bag, make him go fight at the UFC 300 against whomever. I don't care, but I don't know, man. Brock Lesnar, when's the last time he fought? 15 years ago? Who cares? It's 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 been a minute since we've seen the beast incarnate back in the octagon. Um Speaking of Dana talking about things, he says if Patty takes care of Tony Ferguson, they're fighting, by the way. We'll talk about that a little later on in the show because I've got odds for it, which I think are going to surprise you. But Dana said 
if Ferguson gets finished, then he should retire. You're going to fight me if I say that dude should have retired two years ago. I mean, yeah, I'm not going to fight you on that because I probably think he should have retired a couple of fights ago. Um, but I don't, yeah, it's, it's a little weird that Dana decides this is like the lean, line of demarcation right? because it almost feels like you're, it, it almost kind of feels like a shot at Patty, right? Like, it's like, oh, you lost to Patty Pimblett. And it, it's kind of weird. Cause it would feel like, oh, Patty's supposed to be one of their up and coming stars. And one of these guys that you would think would be on that UFC 300 card just to get everybody kind of riled up for it. So for him to say something like that is uh, a little bit odd. Patty's whole career has been a little bit odd, if you think about it. Like, he came in as this guy, this brash talker, this Beatles haircut, right? And he got punched around a little bit in his first fight, and then ultimately won. Everybody was behind him, and then he looked good in his next fight. And then the next time out, he didn't look so great in the Jared Gordon fight and probably lost in the post-fight comments. He kind of rubbed people the wrong way. I don't know. You talk about Patty Pimblett at 300. He's got to do something to win the fans back. Like, it feels like right now the fans are on the edge if they love or hate that guy. I agree with that. I think that... Uh, I and think I kind of am, too. I can't decide either. Yeah, I'm not I'm not one of these... I'm not like rats off a ship on Patty Pimblett, but I think that he's definitely... Everybody gets to that point where they have to prove a little bit of something, and I think that right. he's been dealt a lot of uh, hype early on, and it's cool. A lot of people are into following you, but that means that you have to follow up with some big-time results, and... Um, that would be that's going to be very important this time around. Speaking of overrated, Song Yudong and Piotr Jan is in the works for a December fight. I think Piotr Jan's a little overrated, and I bet he gets his ass kicked by Song Yudong, same way he did against Marab. You going to fight me? Yeah, I think that Piotr Jan's going to bounce back. I think that uh, I don't think that he's overrated. I think that that's just a really really tough division. Um, you know, I think at one point he probably was what, like number three pound for pound. He was. Um, that's probably a little overrated from that standpoint, but I do think that the guy was a deserving champion. I think that, you know, is give. I mean, hell, he gave Sean O'Malley all he could handle. He gave. Uh, he's given Lost. Aljamain Sterling. Lost barely though, dude. I mean, like, come on, you're, okay. you're, you're quibbling. Like it's, it was. You're acting like he got blown out. You're sitting. Here's the thing that's funny about you. You'll yeah. sit here and you'll argue with me for four minutes about Islam Makachev's imaginary chance to beat uh, or, or Charles Oliver's imaginary chance to beat Islam, even though that fight lasted 30 seconds. And then you're like, Piotr Jan's overrated. He lost by, he lost Sean O'Malley by smudge. And you're like, dude's right. a bum. No, he lost that fight. He lost to Aljamain Sterling, not once, but twice. And you're going to say, yeah, but one time it didn't count. Did it count the second time? What about what about when Marab beat him up five rounds to zero? Did that count? Okay. But like, if you if you were to sit here today and it was Sean O'Malley versus Piotr Jan, who would you say would win? Hmm. Whose money are we betting? Mine or yours? Let's just say it's straight up. It's pick them. I'm just asking you who you think would win. I, I, I hate to prove your point, but I would probably take Piotr Jan. Right. So like, I don't understand. Like, yeah, he's, he, is he overrated as like, is he one of the best five guys walking the planet? Nah, probably not. But I still think the guy's a badass, And, um, I do think he's a little bit better than song. Yudong. but if he does lose, you know, you'll be able to take your victory lap and dance on his grave. I also can't figure out O'Malley to be honest. Like I can't tell if he's just caught in a couple of breaks with decisions and good fights. When I say good fights, I mean, matchups, or if he really is that guy, a lot of people don't have that question anymore after him knocking out Aljamain Sterling. I've kind of found myself in the camp of, let me see you defend it one more time. 
You know what I mean? And and then I'll be completely on board. But we're all fans of his, obviously, even the uh, fat guy on the left. That's Brendan Tobin. I'm the sports machine, Sean Levine. Uh, Colby Covington had some words about Kamaru Usman. He basically took the blame for his downfall and said after 10 rounds in the octagon with him, nobody's the same. I I tend to believe him. You going to fight me? Um. Well, here, let me, let me, while you're thinking, let me say something. We've seen him fight Leon a couple of times since then. Mm-hmm. But the truth is, and Colby pointed this out, Leon won, what do you want to say, half of one round in the first fight? Or yeah, actually, the moment. second fight. The second fight. Yeah. And in the third round, it was you know closer or whatever. The point is, Colby's won a whole lot more rounds off of Usman. Like, if you want to blame anybody for the downfall of Usman, I think it's Colby. You're going to fight me? I mean, Usman broke his jaw, dude, and, like, kept him out of the octagon for a year. I don't really know what Colby's point of that is. Like, um, it, it, look, Colby's great. He is. I think be behind all the bravado and the talking and all that stuff, like, the guy's, guys, an ex- yeah, he's an exhausting fighter to go. Is he responsible for the downfall of Usman? I don't think so, man. I think getting knocked to the stratosphere with a head kick is more responsible for that. But that's just me. I mean... It's uh, I just think that for him taking on Usman, Usman just always it always seemed like he did the more damaging stuff, and you know while Colby is super exhausting to go through with those with that uh with that cardio and pace that he puts on you, you know having a baseball bat basically taken to your head, I feel like that's gonna mess with you a little bit more. Back to Connor for a second. He said earlier this week that before he retires, we're gonna see a trilogy fight versus Nate Diaz. You're going to fight me if I say, that's one of those that it's never going to be too late. Even if we see that thing and both guys are 55 years old or 75 years old with one with a walker and one with a wheelchair, I think you're still going to get a bunch of pay-per-view buys. I don't know, man. I watched Bernard Hopkins versus Roy Jones too. It was pretty old. Like, you know, every there is a, there is a, there is an expiring date on stuff. I think that the hype can be fun. Um, almost feel like, you know, like if it gets to a point, maybe they should just go box or something like that at, at some point. But yeah, I, I think if this is honestly more of a Connor thing than it is a Nate thing. I think if Connor doesn't fight Nate by probably December or at the latest 2025, like early, then like, I don't know when we expect him to fight again. And then, you know, Nate already felt like he was, you know, checked out as it is just lost to Jake Paul for God's sakes. I saw it. I hope they don't go to boxing. You know what that'll feel like? We used to do the Thanksgiving game day with me and all the boys for years and years and years, and it was tackle football. And then once everybody started having kids and wives and you know real lives and jobs and all that stuff, it became two-hand touch, and then eventually we quit. It does kind of feel like if, if, it, if that's a boxing match, it's just not going to feel the same if those guys aren't able to use their full skill set. All right, before we stop fighting here, we're about a month away, October 28th from – Tyson Fury versus Francis Ngannou. You're going to fight me if I say, and maybe I'm missing something. Nobody's talking about this fight. Um, I saw a lot of hype this week because they had the media workouts. I saw a little bit of Francis on Rogan where he's like, oh, I'm concerned of Tyson Fury cheating. I thought that was kind of fun. Uh, I'm sneaky excited for it. I really am excited. I think it's going to be a fun spectacle. You have uh, the two baddest men on the planet, you know, the heavyweight champs going in there, squaring off. I think that Francis Ngannou is going to get killed. But I think the thing that's funny about that, I'm going in with such low expectations that if he does anything to rattle Tyson Fury, I'm going to be so hyped up. It's going to be so exciting if he has any moment against Tyson Fury. 
if he gets beat down, he gets beat down. But I'm I'm excited for Francis. And I think I think part of me is excited for Francis because I really feel like he beat the system. You know, like I, I think that I, I you know, ultimately as a greedy fan, I wish he was in the UFC because you want to talk about the main event of 300, it should be Francis versus John Jones. It Absolutely. should be. But it's not. And so if it's not, at least Francis got over on the company and made it all worth it. It's not because I'll be honest with you, his PFL debut. And I I, I like the PFL. The, those guys are good to us. We like uh, we like uh, SOC who joins us every once in a while. But I don't see what the debut fight is for him. I really don't. I don't know what opponent he's going to face. And that bums me out because he should have fights that matter. You know, you know how that could become. 10 times bigger than it probably is already going to be. I'm talking about Francis Ngannou's first fight in the PFL. And I know I'm dreaming here. If he somehow wins this fight, like if he was to knock out Tyson Fury and then it's his first fight in the PFL, because you knock out Tyson Fury. And again, I know I'm dreaming here. Then you're definitely the baddest man on the planet. I don't want to hear any more John Jones or anybody. If he gets in a boxing match somehow, do you think ultimately though that Tyson Fury knocks him out? Like, do you think that he finishes it? Because yeah, that, that's quite the spectacle to see. Like, you're telling me that whatever it costs to pay for, if you're telling me that I, it's kind of like watching a car wreck, if I'm going to see, if you can guarantee me, or at least give me like 75% odds that Tyson Fury is going to knock out Francis and Gano, I'll pay for it. I'm with you. Um, I think that's going to be fun. And I do think that Francis will give like a spirited few rounds. And then, yeah, I think eventually he'll get exhausted. Uh, Tyson's going to lean on him and then probably will finish him. But I think it's going to be a fun spectacle. I really do. Well, it's got to go a few rounds. It's customary. We saw what happened with Floyd and Connor. Like everybody knows that gotta Floyd carry him. dance around. Got to yeah, carry him, dance around for a little bit, and then finish it off and let people get their money's worth. Brendan Tobin, Sports Machine, Sean Levine. Speaking of fight announcements, some huge ones are right around the corner, and so are we right here on Tapped Out. Back with more Tapped Out. 
with Brendan Tobin and Sean Levine on the BetQL Network. Hey, welcome back. That's Brendan Tobin, Sports Machine, Sean Levine. Hopefully you're checking out our pretty faces on YouTube. Maybe you've got us on the Odyssey app. However you got us, we're making some money together here on Tapped Out. All right, speaking of money, the odds are out. A bunch of fights just got announced. Yuri Prohoshka taking on Alex Pereira for the vacant light heavyweight belt. That's UFC 295. Yuri plus 125. Pereira as an underdog at minus 150. I know I'm throwing it out there early. What's your early thinking in that fight, BT? Oh, man, that's such a it's such a good matchup. I think I'm leaning early, Yuri even though I'm a little bit concerned of him, you know, coming off of the injury and and wondering what he's going to look like. But I'm also concerned about what it's like for Alex, you know, Pereira, like still wondering, like, what is this guy going to be like when he gets in there with, uh, with some big strikers? You know, I know we saw his debut and he looked pretty damn good at his first one at two Oh five. But here he's unique, man. I mean, we saw that, that dog in him. And when he won that belt, this guy is the champ, basically, you know, he, uh, he lost it via injury. Um, so it's exciting to have him back. I don't understand him as a dog, really, to be honest with you. This division gives me anxiety, dude. It feels like there's never anything concrete. So we had Yuri as the champion. He gets hurt. We had Jamal Hill as the champion. He gets hurt. He gives up the belt. We had, not too long ago, Glover Teixeira, like 70-something years old, the champion of this division. He loses. He's retired. I mean, Alex Pereira, I'm not sure this is the right weight class for him, or even if he's had enough fights to even fight for this belt. It just feels John Jones was here just a minute ago, and now he's a heavyweight. Light heavyweight, maybe I'm making too much of it. Doesn't that just feel a little weird? It just feels snake bit. You know, I, I think that the one good thing that I could say about it is they they feel like they do have a good three-headed monster with with Jamal, with Yuri, um, with Alex Pereira coming up. You know, maybe down the pipe we will get Style Bender back up here. Um, but it just it just feels unlucky because it felt like oh Yuri's going to be the face of the you know first of all we had Yuri felt like he was going to be the face of the division. We had one fight that was so boring that Dana basically banished it. We had one fight. Yeah, we had uh, you know Jamal Hill. All right, Jamal Hill's our champ now. Blows his Achilles in a basketball match. So it just feels snake, but I, I do feel like the talent is is a lot better. This used to be a very cherished division. You know, you're this talking number one. This was yeah, it. this was it. Everybody loved the light heavyweight division, and uh, I don't know. It just feels like it can't get a, get it, it can't get any luck lately. It's been uh, it's been nothing but you know injuries or or you know guys lose or something like that it, or old timers are winning the belt. So um, hopefully, hopefully. This is the kind of the start of the the actual next post John Jones chapter of the 205 division. Speaking of bad luck, we had Wonder Boy on the show and then he didn't end up fighting last time out only because his opponent missed weight. Now he has a new opponent and dude, I'm very surprised that he signed on the dotted line. The odds are out. Steven Wonder Boy Thompson, a plus 320 underdog. He said Wonder Boy, a plus 320 underdog because He's taking on the rat hat himself. Shavkat Rachmanov at minus 410. I mean, I know Wonder, and you you said you think Wonder Boy's a future champion. You said it to his face, and we had him on the show, and I commend you for that, even though it's silly. If you beat Shavkat, maybe you're a fight away from it. Um, I wouldn't say this if we brought Wonder Boy back on, but I'll tell you this right now. He's going to get his ass kicked, dude. Well, you know I love Wonder Boy, dude. Yeah, you know I love Wonder Boy. But uh, I'm stunned he's taking this fight, too, yeah. quite frankly, especially, uh, you know, 
this happened to you know, a couple of weeks ago where like Ian Gary called him out and we'll get to his fight coming up in just a second. But I was like, man, if I was Wonder Boy and if I had my choice, Ian Gary or Shavkat, I mean, I would take Ian Gary. They're both yeah. they're both young and I don't know what I get out of that. But at least I know I'm going Shavkat's got no weaknesses. I mean, he literally is 100 percent finish rate. He'll choke you out. He'll knock you out. He doesn't seem to have a whole. I just don't get this one from from wonder boy i guess what he said this week was like i guess they're paying him double basically they're gonna pay him what he missed for Pereira. Oh, that'll do it so pijeda yeah so like that i guess makes good a little bit for him but still it feels very much like they're using steven wonder boy thompson to build up shavkat and um could be bad news man because that guy's a beast he, i think he's gonna be champion you got some pull in this game. What are the chances before UFC two ninety six we can get Wonder Boy back on? Because I, I want another crack at him, and I want to ask him why. I want to ask him the exact same thing you just said. Ian Gary called you out, and you beat him. That's a pretty quick step to a belt. Also, Shavkat just presents so many different problems. You think we can get Wonder Boy back on before that to ask him? I'm sure we could try. I don't see why not. I mean, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll uh, definitely. See what I can do to track uh track him down. We seem like we we seem like me and him we we had a little uh, moment. So I think I could make that happen. Yeah, I thought you guys were tight. Um, we talked about Patty Pimblett fighting Tony Ferguson. Odds plus three hundred for El Kakui, minus three eighty for Patty Pimblett. That's also at UFC two ninety six. Those odds look about right to me. I just don't know how long shot you have to make as far as the odds make how much of a long shot you have to make Tony Ferguson for people to actually bet on him. You tell me is three to one good enough for you against Patty Pimblett. Um, I guess this kind of goes back to our thoughts of like, do you think Patty's for real or not? Um, because Patty's best on the ground. I mean, like that's usually where he, he gets a lot of his damage done and Tony's a dangerous fighter on the ground for sure. But was, it was yeah it was i should say was you're yeah. correct on that no i don't i don't think three to one's enough maybe like six to one wow like if, like if we got to like double that then maybe i'll be like a sprinkle Let's, i'm not uh, gonna lie i thought the same thing i was like you know i'll bet against patty pimwood i'll take tony ferguson one more time and then i saw three to one i'm like no nah, I'm, I'm gonna need five to one i'm gonna need six to one to bet on that guy you're right we will talk about ian gary because he's on the card ufc 296 also tough matchup against vicente luque do you think ian gary keeps winning that's a tough fight yeah i do i think that's uh it's interesting that i think they both have trained at kill cliff down here at deerfield beach um so that's interesting it's, it's interesting. you know what's funny man don't have a lot of at and at&t versus att it happened i mean it's happened obviously but there's been bad breakups over it like uh you know jorge versus colby's the most famous one of course that kill cliff, they seem to fight each other all the time. It seems to be a very common thing where those guys always end up fighting each other. I guess it's because they take in more mercenaries down here in South Florida. Anyway, that's just a South Florida nerdy aside. Uh, I think Ian Gary uh, should be able to beat Vicente Luque. Luque definitely is dangerous and capable of beating him, and it's a good measuring stick, I think. It's not the sexiest name. I think that Ian Gary was looking for like taking a guy like Wonder Boy is going to get what you way more attention than beating Vicente Luque. But I think it's a good test for for Ian, but it feels about the same level, maybe a little bit higher than what he just did in beating Neil Mack. Uh, I just thought of this. What if they both win? Because that's on the same card, same night, UFC 296. Let's say Ian Gary goes out there, knocks out Vicente Luque. And I know you're going to like what I'm about to say, but it's not going to happen. Let's say Wonder Boy goes out there and puts it on the chin of Shavkat, kicks him right in the face, puts him to sleep, and they call each other out. And then we see Wonder Boy fight Ian Gary next. 
that's a title eliminator, right? Then we're like one fight away, both those guys from the belt. Um, I don't think beating Vicente Luque is enough. Yeah, like would it be enough for him to call the shots, get Wonderboy? Yeah, probably. Get, I'm telling you right now. I'm telling you right now. With with his accent, with his look, with his winning streak, if Ian Gary beats well, Vicente Luque and then Wonderboy, I, he will fight for the here's belt. Here's what I would say. Right here's what I would say. Here's what I would say. Because let me just check. I don't. I don't remember what Shavkat's ranked right now. If I'm Wonder Boy and I knock out Shavkat Rachmanov, the first guy to ever not only beat him, but he didn't stop me. He's been stopping everybody. Shavkat's now sixth. Right. It's basically a top five. It's it, honestly, it's a top five match because Hamzat's still in the top four, uh, in the top five for whatever reason. So we'll call him five. He's fifth. Let's just say he's fifth. Yeah. If he knocks out Shavkat. He should fight for the title next. Like he doesn't have to fight no Ian Gary next. That's ridiculous. Okay. Okay. In my opinion. No, no, I see that side of it. I guess I was thinking more from Ian Gary's perspective, but you're right. If you're Wonder Boy and, and you take just having the balls to take this fight, and then you go out there and actually knock him out, there's a reason why he's a plus three twenty underdog, Wonder Boy Thompson. I mean, look what the odds were for what he's supposed to have last fight and then this one, but I I don't think it's gonna happen. I bet he gets yeah, and listen, Done man, you, we're, we're going to see that hat. It's going to happen. Uh, before we get out of here, Leon and Colby's official for 296. So that'll be the last pay-per-view of the year. So we'll have John Jones and Stipe in December. And then to finish off December, Leon versus Colby in the main event. Colby's an underdog plus 125. Leon is obviously the favorite at minus 125. Who's got the belt after that fight? I think it's Colby. Man. So tough because I do think that Leon has shown such growth. Um, but I I am with you. I think there's just value in Colby as a dog, you know, and I think that's probably where my money's gonna go. Just because I I do think that it's it's a super even fight. Um, he's a different fighter from Kamar Usman, you know, and he's done really good against strikers. You know, he he just puts such a pace on guys. Um, that's just different. I think that the only guy who could out wrestle him, we saw him and that was Kamaru. And so then it kind of just turned into a striking match. But when he has a wrestling advantage, he just wears you out and it's so exhausting and there is value in that. So I, I I'm with you. I think I'm going to ride with Colby as the dog in that one. And I, th- I mean, it's, it's, it's a pretty close line. So I don't know if more people are going to get in on that because I don't really see the line going higher for him i feel like as the fight gets closer more people are going to bet on colby yeah no it could be a pick by the time that it goes off and leon again he's he's a tough guy to put your finger on because when he took the belt from uzman it's not like he looked good in that fight until he did we saw him fight again he won again it's like all right kind of like i was saying before about sean o'malley some of these guys i keep saying do it one more time i just i want to see i want to see leon do it one more time and if he does versus colby then i'll say all right He's that dude. Speaking of that dude, on the other side, the NFL has a new favorite to be the MVP of the league. BT takes a victory lap next. This is going to be disgusting. Keep it right here on Tapped Out.
with more Tapped Out with Brendan Tobin and Sean Levine on the BetQL Network. All right, tapping out here on the BetQL Network. Welcome back into the show. Brendan Tobin, Sports Machine, Sean Levine. Maybe you're checking us out on YouTube on the Odyssey app. However you got us, much love right back at you. So before we get out of here, dude, Miami, good news, bad news, right? Baseball team's pretty good. Football team's really good. Damian Lillard, not heading to South Beach. We got a lot to talk about, and you being based in Miami are the man to do. Let's start with the good news. The new favorite to be NFL MVP to start the season. My boy, no surprise. Patrick Mahomes, 6-1. to one. Right now, Tua. Tua, he said, 5-1 to one at BetMGM, the favorite to be MVP. I don't want to hear anybody say, yeah, of course, as long as he doesn't get injured. Let's just assume that, right? Let's just say that Tua is able to stay healthy. Do you think he like keeps playing like this the rest of the season? Yeah. No, I mean, look, look, it's funny. You could, uh, if you go, I think CBS Sports tweeted this out. Like, if you go and look at the splits of his first three weeks, um, it's literally the same completions out of uh, out of attempts, same TD interception radio, uh, ratio. Um yardage i think is a, is like basically equal over the last two seasons so when Tua plays football he's really good i've been telling people this now who want to hear it and now what you have is the coach and him have two years together they've added even more speed on the team and they all just have these intricacies of how to keep everybody open and Tua's running it like a maestro man and you know, they did what they did last week. They did that without their number two receiver. Jalen Waddle didn't even play. What do they do? They uh, break glass and they say, hey, Devon Achan, get out there and uh, go show us what you could do. AFC Offensive Player of the Week. That was ridiculous. That whole thing. I mean, 70 points and two of being as good as he was. And not just the dude you just talked about, but Mostert got in the end zone four times. Like, I, just, I, I had to turn it off. Did you see, uh, we'll, we'll put a, a fight twist on this, but did you see Chael Sonnen? He was disgusted with the Dolphins for not going for the record. He said, uh, he says, it's even more humiliating in competition to not, to not keep going. You, if you're going to relent on me, he said, that's that he says, that's even worse. You need to go after the record. So he's furious with the Dolphins. Once they got up to 60, I was going to text you. What's up with that? Like, why not take the foot off the brake? Does McDaniel have some sort of beef with the Broncos that's not coming to mind? No, he he grew up a ball boy for the Broncos. He is a huge Broncos fan. Um, it's ironic, and I was talking about this. Uh, I was joking about this that uh, during the game, I said, thank God the Dolphins got caught tampering because the A plan before McDaniel was hired was they were going to give $100 million to Sean Payton to be their head coach, <laughs> and, and Tom Brady was going to be the quarterback. Then Brian Flores dropped a lawsuit on them for, and they basically got exposed for tampering. And lo and behold, you end up with Mike McDaniel, this guy nobody interviewed as the head coach to reinvigorate Tua and, and build him up. So it's it's really this big success from just pure dumb luck that it all happened because their A plan was to go hire a couple of old guys who had already done it and now they got the two, you know, fun young kids that are uh, that are taking over the league right now. McDaniel's certainly building up to us. So is Tyree Kill. And I mean, I remember when Tyree Kill, he was talking some smack on the way out of Kansas City. And it felt like he was just trying to build up to at least to me. 
And I remember getting arguments with you because he was talking about two is a more accurate quarterback and he can throw the deep ball better, saying all those things on his podcast. And I thought, blasphemy. That's crazy. How dare you say those things about Patrick Mahomes? And I'm not saying that he was right, but at this point, dude, I can't really say he was wrong either. I can't say he was wrong. I, look, Patrick Mahomes is awesome. I always have a joke. Every time I do a sports radio show, I say, let's do a QB list. Uh, we take Patrick Mahomes off. Nobody gets to touch him. Like, it's just, it's not, there's very few things in sports that you can't debate. We don't get to debate Patrick Mahomes right now. Even if Tua wins the Super Bowl, we don't get to debate it this year. Um, but what Tyree Kill was, there's a couple of things I've learned about Tyree Kill, covering him, interviewing him. Um, first of all, he tells whoppers. Like, I won't say Tyree Kill is a liar, but there's he's somewhere between a troll and a whopper teller. He's funny, though. You know oh, he's what funny. he is. He's, like, he's, he's, he's funny. Fun, but, like, he'll, he had people, like, in, in the Miami media – we're like, oh, I don't watch film. And I'm like, you know, he's lying, right? Like, he's just playing with you guys. Like, oh, yeah, he's a football he, I, I compare him to Jimmy Butler. Like, Jimmy Butler, he's either he'll contradict or he'll say something or he'll throw something out there just to see if somebody will buy it. And a lot of media will buy it hook, line, sinker. The Tyree Kill Tua piece last year that was great was they talked about this with uh, Tua's confidence. Is like, we're going to up this guy's confidence. And so I think McDaniel had to talk with him and be like, Whatever you could say about this guy in the media, mm. to, to blo- do it. And because Tua had no support here from for internally, nobody believed Daniel's him. Daniel's that kind of a genius. I think he is, dude. Yeah. He, like, he, and I think that Tyree Hill ran with that. He was like, oh, yeah, whatever you need. And so that's where you got all the talk that you did, have Tua on my podcast, then have Waddle and talk about how awesome Tua is. And, and the funny thing about it this year, the lead up to it is Tyreek was not like that this year. Tyreek was very much almost accountable to two. He's like, okay, I did all that stuff for you this year. You're the leader. We're just following you. And he's really toned it down as far as that stuff's concerned. Have you gotten in your program director's ear about flying to Kansas city for the AFC championship game? Cause I know things are going well. You guys are undefeated. We've got a loss, blah, blah, blah. We're going to play. We all know that the AFC championship game goes through Arrowhead, the same place it's been the last five years. So you're going to, you think you're going to make it out here for some burn ins finally? I would like to if that happens, but if it doesn't happen and you come down here, you got a place to stay, buddy. Let's go. I know it's a couch and all that, but I know you have the pool outside, so that'll be just fine. I've got some other odds for you. What the heck? It is the BetQL Network. Chiefs still favored to win the Super Bowl, along with San Francisco co-favorites right now at BetMGM at 6-1, to one, followed by Philly at 7-1. to one. There they are, though, man. <laughs> Miami Dolphins at 10 to one to win the Super Bowl right now at bet MGM. And definitely as far as good surprises go, and I don't want to say they're a huge surprise. A lot of people saw this coming to be one of, if not the best offensive team in the history of the NFL through the first three weeks. Pretty cool. We'll see if they can keep it up and we'll see if you guys end up here in Kansas city. That's it for tapped out. We appreciate you checking us out. We'll be back next week right here.